MS sucks. I know. I've lived with it since 1998, and man, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. When people ask, how are you doing? I say, fine, great. Really? Most of the time, it's a lie, because we're programmed to hide our struggles. I'm not a doctor or a researcher. I'm just a normal guy talking from experience. And let me tell you, sharing those experiences with other people living with MS has made my life a hundred times better. So get ready for a belly up to the bar, honest conversation with real people who at first hesitate to tell the truth about life with MS, but eventually let it all hang out. I'm your host, Jim Fairchild. How you really doing? Carol Moiso is a fighter. In 1991, she was diagnosed with primary progressive MS. And after 25 years, she's in a wheelchair most of the time now, but that does not stop her from doing some amazing things. In 2012, she swam 1.1 miles across the Columbia River. And what blows me away about this even more is that literally not only four months earlier, when she started training, the lifeguard at her local pool was wondering if she could even swim. Seriously, he would walk up and down the pool as she was swimming until she finally told him to stop it, that she was doing just fine. She is a go-getter, I will tell you that. At the MS Walk in 2015, she used a cane for the last 50 feet to cross the finish line. I was there. I saw her do it. I saw her get out of the wheelchair. I didn't know Carol at that time, but I saw her walk that 50 feet, and it is pure courage to make your body, to have the belief that you can do that and actually make it happen. It was inspiring, and that's who Carol is. She makes things happen for herself in that way. So Carol told me her main symptoms are weakness in her legs and her hands, where she's lost a lot of fine motor skills, along with pain that she deals with and just the overall body fatigue. And Carol lives in a full house, with her daughter plus her 3 and 10 year old grandkids along with her boyfriend. She says there is never a dull moment, and she shares pictures with me to kind of exemplify the goings-on that she deals with every day, the fun that she gets to deal with, and... When I asked her about her big accomplishments, she told me about swimming across the Columbia. She told me about using a cane to cross the finish line. And then she also said something which I think I like the most is that she said last week she took her three-year-old and 10-year-old grandkids to the store by herself, which in its own right is as tough sometimes as swimming across the Columbia. So I love how she says that. I love the fact that, you know, she has told me that her grandkids are the reason she wakes up in the morning and making those daily accomplishments are what we all need to strive for, what we all do strive for to make it happen. I've already said it many times, but Carol is a fighter. In 2017, she vows to fight even harder. What's fun about that, cool about that, is that she's actually going to help me fight harder as well because I have vowed to ride 10 miles with her at this year's Bike MS. Yep, literally, I just said that out loud. You heard me, so I have a goal now. I have to keep myself motivated because I rode one mile with Carol last year at Bike MS and it was a life changer. It was exhilarating for me. So I can't imagine what it's gonna feel like to cross that finish line after riding 10 miles. 
because here's the deal and I'm going to tell you how I'm really doing right now is that my legs ain't really happy and uh, they've been changing a lot. They have lost a lot of muscle. Know why? Because I haven't been exercising very much lately. Last year, I completely amazed myself when I rode that mile at Bike MS because just a week earlier, I had been in the hospital for three days with a serious UTI and didn't think I would ever be able to ride the bike, but I did. So, it is time for me to amaze myself again. Yes, my legs are tired right now. Yes, they are changing. They are atrophying, but you know what? It's time to exercise. And I get inspired by people like Carol. I get inspired by people like my friend Ron Hay, who has dedicated himself to ride, not ride, to participate in his first triathlon this year because he's always wanted to do it. It takes courage to do that. And so I am going to be digging deep. It is January right now. I will keep you updated because I'm going to ride that 10 miles in August but it is my perception that I need to keep strong and it is hanging around people that are positive and know what it's like to struggle and know what it's like to pick yourself up. Carol, you amaze me. You pick yourself up. I'm very thankful to be next to you and listening to you and getting your help because I am ready to ride. So with that, I give you Carol Moiso with her fighting attitude and her ability to make amazing things happen. Carol, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And the question I have for you right off the top is something that uh, I think is very important to MS in general. And I don't think neurologists asks this, ask this question enough of patients, but my question is, what makes you laugh? <laughs> Oh, these days, almost anything. Um, you have to find humor with MS. Otherwise, you would cry all the time. Um, naturally, all the funny, good things in life make me laugh. But I laugh a lot at my MS. Um, I laugh when I fall, unless I'm really hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if there's no blood or bo bones sticking out or anything, I'm usually okay. Um, and you got to laugh. Otherwise, I'd be in a bad mood constantly if I didn't. How does that help your day? How does that help you get through what you need to get through on a daily basis? It keeps me in a good mood and and not angry with what MS has done to my life and to my body. Um, I have come to accept it. I don't like it. I mm -hmm. will always hate MS. It's a horrid disease. But I do accept that I have it and what comes with it. But I will fight it every day. Um, and I fight hard. And I wish doctors and the care profession would tell you how hard you have to fight to keep going. Um, so when I do, when I stumble, when I fall, you know, when I drop things, I just laugh about it, you know, or get one of my grandkids help me pick things up or whatever I need to do. Right. Talk to me more about how hard it is. And because uh, I can see on your face that you're like, it is really hard. I wish they would tell you more about how hard it is. Explain that. I've had MS for 25 years now. Um, I'm 62. And I probably had it for a few years. It took them four or five years to diagnose me. No one ever told me how important diet was, how important exercise was, how important your weight was. I would ask doctors, 
Should I lose weight? It wouldn't hurt. I had 10 different neurologists that I saw within the first six, seven years I had MS. Not one told me diet or exercise was important Mm -hmm. or that I had to fight this disease every single day of my life if I want to. I'm never going to beat it, but if I want to stay ahead of it and stay the best I can be. um, I have been bedridden. It would have been so easy to stay in bed Mm -hmm. because I couldn't move. I had to fight and struggle and fall many, many times to get myself up. up. To get back up. Yep. And they say it's not how many times you fall. It's that you, if you fall 10 times, just got to get up 11. Yes. And I'd say that you have, and I have kept on getting up. Mm -hmm. Do you find it easier or better now with the information that's out there? Uh, It's changed a lot over the 25 years. Yes. Um, I'm, I, I still don't hear doctors pushing it as much as I feel it should be from the people that I've talked to. Um, I encourage everyone I know with MS or any disease, fight, fight, fight. You know, you've got to be strong. Um, I never thought, I, I was not an exercise person. I was definitely not a diet person. Mm-hmm. Give me chocolate and ice cream any day. Right. Um, but I learned since I have this, I've got to take care of my body. Um, your weight's important because if you have trouble moving and you're, it's a lot easier to move five pounds than it is 10 pounds. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I pr- proved this to myself. I used to try to take this real big step up at the pool, at the Y and, um, I couldn't do it. I sat there and tried to pull myself up. Well, after losing some weight one day, I decided to do it. I popped right up that step. And that's good to know. Yeah. I hadn't gotten stronger, but I wasn't lifting as much weight. You know, yeah. losing 20 pounds, 30 pounds helps. Makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go back. You said you've had this for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like when you were diagnosed? And talk about how you were diagnosed and where you are now, what your day is like now. When I was first diagnosed, I was just tripping out of the blue. I would be walking. My girlfriend and I used to walk the track. You know, that was the best exercise we got, walk around the track a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I would trip over nothing. Or I'd be going through the mall and I tripped. Um, I saw one doctor who told me it was, it was all in my head. They, they would take an x-ray, nothing in the x-ray, you're fine. Well, it kept happening and went to a different doctor. Well, you're overweight. Well, I was like... 30 pounds overweight that's not enough to, to make you to make sure. you start tripping right um we finally moved up to oregon and we had kaiser and when i went to them i told them what was going on and said look i've had two doctors tell me nothing's wrong but i think there is and fortunately my doctor said carol i believe you and i will test you until i find out what what's wrong and it took him about three months of he did the nerve conduction study yeah, something's wrong, but I don't know what. Yeah, something's wrong, Carol, but don't know what it is. I'm going to send you to a neurologist. And this is before MRIs were good. This is before. Yeah, I, I did have an MRI, but mm-hmm. they weren't what they are today. Right, sure. But when I walked into the uh, neurologist's office, he took one look at me and said, you have MS, I'll take the test to prove it. Really? Yeah, that's how I found out. 
And what uh, were you diagnosed with relapsing remitting? No, primary progressive. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. And so where were you? You were just tripping at that point. Mm -hmm. So how did it, how was it uh, primary progressive right off the bat? Um, I didn't really even understand what MS, I didn't know anybody with it. There is no history of MS in my family. I didn't know anybody with it. I had three kids in elementary school. I was working full time um, at a high stress job and was often 50 hours a week. I didn't have time for MS. Um, Right. So I did not do my research. I did not join a support group. I dealt with the symptoms for a long time. Uh huh. And, and they didn't, have, they didn't have Google back then. So right. if you can't Google it, you know how are you going to find out about it? Right. Um. So I just kind of dealt with it. it. Was not a big life changing. I was actually relieved when I found out I had it because sure. Even my husband kind of thought maybe I was not, I was going crazy. You know. Well. I think we all, when you don't know what's going on, you do feel like you're going crazy. Right. Uh, and two but, doctors told me there was nothing wrong. Right. So I'm, well, I'm glad that you were persistent to figure mm-hmm. out what was going on. And so how did it progress for you? Um, it progressed rather slowly. As I said, you know, I, I was, you know, just, just a, I was in my mid thirties. Um, you know, three young kids. I was busy. I was still working. Um, I just started being a little more careful when I was walking. Um, you know, I, my kids were in soccer and doing things. You had and, things to do. You couldn't let this slow you down. Right. And, you know, I was a manager at a care facility for uh-huh. disabled. So I was busy. It was a 24-hour facility. So I just kept on going. And probably after a year... I remember what really brought to, brought it to me is I, I got, I finally broke down and asked my doctor if I could get handicapped parking. He's like, well, of course, you know. Well, I always felt guilty using it because I didn't feel, I didn't think I looked like anything was wrong. Right. Because I thought I was walking fine. And I went down to Washington Square one day and had these big glass doors. Oh, sorry, it wasn't Washington Square because I was in, no, it was up here. And there's a big glass door. And I could see myself as like a mirror. And I saw myself walk. Mm. And it's like, oh shit, guess I don't have to limp anymore. Yeah, you I know? don't have to fake it to yep. use the handicap tag. Yep. So, you know, I noticed that that was a real eye opener for me. Yeah. Uh, and isn't that a hard part, no matter where you are in the disease, is to recognize where you're at and then there's a constant mountain to overcome, isn't there, of a changed perception of who you think you are and, and how you move beyond that. Yeah, and it changes all the time. It does. And, and that's a hard part. And I remember yelling at my son, my kids, because they were always leaving something on the floor for me to step over. Yeah. And my son was in probably in junior high, high school. I said, Adam, you know, when I've got to lift my foot up over that, it's, you know... You don't understand how hard it is. He goes, oh, he goes, I get it, mom. When you've got to lift your foot over that shoe, it's kind of like me lifting my foot over Mount St. Helens, huh? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. There you go. That That's the way to put it into a, a way a kid can understand that. Yeah. And, and so talk to me about where you are today. How do you get around? Uh, what's life like for Carol today? Um, 
25 years later, I am in a wheelchair most of the time, more than I should be, more than I could be if I would fight a little bit harder. I went in the hospital a year and a half ago with just um, cellulitis, but it, and then, then the following year I had a back lift and pump put in and it had a spinal mm. mi- uh, migraine that put me way back. I was in bed for about a week and a half and couldn't Ouch. move. Yeah. Um, and with those two incidences back to back, it really drained me. And as I said in the beginning, if you don't fight, you will end up in bed. Yeah, um, forever. And I did fight, but I really need to start fighting harder. And that's my New Year's resolution is to get back um, and do some fighting like I should be because I know I can get better. I'm never going to get well. I'm never going to make a mess disappear. But there is things I can do to fight. You know, Carol, from what I know of you, you fight a lot. And there are a lot of things that you've done which completely amaze me. Um, can you kind of talk about some of the things that you've done uh, in the past couple of years uh, to kind of challenge yourself? Well, the biggest one thing I've done is to swim the Columbia River. Um, which is amazing. <laughs> And, and for it, anybody who's not from Oregon, the Columbia River is a huge river. It was 1.1 miles. Wow. Open water swim. Yes. And uh, how did you train for that? Um, I was, I hadn't swam in years, and I was at the Y, and there's a lady that was talking about doing the swim. And I said, God, that sounds like fun. She goes, well, why don't you do it with me, Carol? I said, I don't know if I can swim. Um, I go, I haven't swam in years, so I was in the pool, so I swam, I swam across the pool. Um, and the lifeguard immediately jumped off the stand and started pacing the pool with me. Uh-huh. And I looked at him, and I'm like, you know, what are you doing? He goes, Carol, I didn't know you could swim. <laughs> I'm in four feet of water. I'm not going to drown. <laughs> but he was so serious, he was a young kid. Uh, but he was just like, and then... When were, I started were your legs? How were your legs at that time? How were your arms? I mean, how were you swimming when you started that? I had very little movement in my legs. Okay. Um, I could kick a little bit, but not strong. Uh huh. Um, I've I have fair upper body strength. I'm not a big athlete. Hmm. Um, I when I first started, I could swim maybe two laps. Uh huh. In the, in the lap pool, and it takes 35 laps to do a mile. Wow. So I was like, holy cow. And I only had four months before the swim when I found oh, out wow. about it. So I decided I needed to be prepared at least three or four weeks before this actual event. Which gives you three months. Right. So I sat down and grafted out where I was and where I needed to be so I knew how much I had to do each week. Right. Um, so I, I, and I, it gave me such a goal that it, it was the best thing I ever did for myself. So what did you do? You, how often did you start swimming? And, you know, I truly believe that giving yourself a goal is something that is that fight that you're talking about. Give yourself a goal and find something to fight for. Yeah. And it was a huge goal. It, I was very scared of it. I've never swam in open water. Um, I like the Y where I have, I can see the bottom. I have a light, nice sure, little line to nice follow. nice and safe for crying out loud. Um, when I got close 
to swim in a mile, I decided I needed to try an open water swim. Uh-huh. So my son, who was going to swim with me, mm-hmm. went out to Battleground Lake. And my girlfriend had a kayak, so she Carol, I'm going to go with you. I freaked. I, I could hardly swim. Did not do well. Well, open water is so much different than the pool. Yeah, it's green. It's gross. It's, yeah. There's no lines at the bottom of the yeah. lake. You know, it, it, there's no lifeguard going out there, and you can't put your feet down if you, if you have to stop. Right. So it was hard. Um, the second, so it's like, holy cow, this isn't good. I went back the next week and tried it again and did much better. We swam across the lake, which was about a quarter of a mile. Uh-huh. And my son's like, Mom, let's rest. I said, no, let's go back. And he's like, and we swam back. And um, he's like, wow, Mom, I can't believe you did that. Huge. Um, I mean, what a, what a great motivator for you, but also nice to tell, show your kids what you can do. Mm-hmm. What did that do for you? I remember that day Adam put his arm around me and told me how proud he was of me. Huge. And it was, it bonded us so close. Yeah. I mean, my son and I were close, but it just really gave us a good bond. I did that in 2012 for the first time. Uh Uh-huh. This past Christmas, a couple weeks ago, him and I were talking all alone, and he goes, Mom, I'm so proud of you. You're the strongest person I know. That's huge. He brought tears to my eyes. What you do in the face of MS, mm-hmm. people see that. And he said, Mom, you swam the river. Because you swam the Columbia River. What, you know, most of my friends couldn't do that. Right. Yeah. And so you've also done some other things. Um, talk about those other, the other challenges that you've had. And then I want to relate that back to what you've said. That, okay. Yeah, so go ahead. Um, the river was my biggest, and, I'm, and I've done that twice now. Um, I went out to, to the bike MS, and I've, I've looked at bikes before, but I never could find one that I could ride that met my needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went out to bike MS just to cheer people on, and there was a vendor there, um, different spokes, and they had the perfect bike for me. Great place, by the way. If you're in Oregon yes. and you need a bike, different spokes is the place to go. Yes. The guy, Adam, is just wonderful. Um, yeah. And Don, both. And I got on that bike and went, oh, my God, my legs can work. My arms can work. I don't have to do my legs if they're tired. Uh-huh. But they'll keep moving and get the exercise. I didn't know a bike like that exists. Right. So you're on a recumbent that you can use your arms and your legs. And I got to say that. I got to use one of those bikes this year, and this refers back to a couple things. So I got to ride with you this year yes. at the I Ride With MS in Oregon, and it's a, a one-mile loop, and that was a challenge for me. I didn't think I was going to be able to do butt, that. You kicked my butt, Jim. You told me you were sick. You told me you just got out of the hospital, and I you did. kicked my butt on that. You know, it. I didn't know if I could do it, and what that yeah, taught yeah. me was that I can do it, and I just got to get my butt out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was such a rush to be able to do that. Uh, when I got done crossing that finish line, my heart was just about to explode and I need more goals like that in my life. And so when you say that you need to fight more, hold on before I get to that, uh, 
I just want to talk about one thing at the uh, Bike MS, and that's why I was asking you about laughter at the beginning, mm -hmm. is because I would be around the campus, so to speak, and I would just hear you laugh. And so you're always laughing at something, and that is so, I get so enthralled by that, that, that you're always finding things that like, you and your friend Wendy were going around giving the guys from different spokes a hard time, and, yeah. and I could always find you by your laugh, which I love. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and, and, and so I know that laughter is very important, uh, and I love the way you laugh at things. Uh, I also uh, love what you're saying about you got to fight more. And so what's that going to mean for you this year? Setting a new goal. The goal for that river got me so motivated. I couldn't wait to swim. I, I knew what I had to beat. I, by setting that date, I had a weekly marker that I had to do this each week. I fought harder than I had ever fought for anything. Uh-huh. Um, I was the most disabled person. It was a Roy Webster swim. They've done it for 75 years now. Oh, my God. That's so cool. And there, were, there are several disabled people. One lady was, had her leg amputated below the knee. Uh -huh. um, one man was walking with a cane. I don't know what was wrong. But I, they, said, they said I was the most disabled person they've ever had. That's amazing. Um, and it made me feel good. Not that you want to be the most disabled person right. that you've ever <laughs> yeah, had, but that part. But that you did it. But it was inspiring to them, and it, it was nice to hear that I, despite this disease, it took so much from me. And as you said, it takes yourself part a part of yourself away to hear that over I can and over again. You know, somebody by doing something good mm -hmm. means a lot. And then, what has that done for you in terms of? your self-image it, it it was amazing i just felt so much better about myself i felt like i could do things again mm -hmm. that i wasn't the poor crippled lady mm -hmm. who couldn't do anything i can accomplish big things i can do what i need to do you know i can inspire people to get out and be healthy and reach their own goals and, you know, what you're saying about fighting is huge. And I have a question for you, which I don't want this to ever sound odd. Um, but I, I I kind of alluded to it uh, when we were talking before we started the podcast. And um, you are in a wheelchair right now. Mm -hmm. I am in a place where I might, I am looking at getting into a wheelchair. And as a guy with MS, I've been riding around on a, a cooler for four years because I didn't want to look handicapped. Yeah. And I didn't want to take that next step to be in a wheelchair. But what I've learned from you and from others is that the energy saved by taking care of yourself makes it all worthwhile. And I guess my question is, What's your self-image of yourself in a wheelchair compared to what it would be otherwise? I was walking with a cane, um, and I was getting slower and slower and realized I needed more mm -hmm. assistance. To me, where we get our ideas from, I don't know. A walker was for an 80-year-old. Yeah. I couldn't do a walker at that point in public. I felt a wheelchair was less disabled looking than a walker. I don't, as I said, I don't know why we, we get these feelings, but 
it was more comfortable for me. Well, and you know, it, it is, it really is perspective because I've been using a walker for a long time, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you mentioned seeing yourself in the window. Right. My God, when I saw myself walking behind a walker, I did look 80 years old. I'm really hunched over. I think that's affected my back and my, my strength there. And a lot of times I'm not able to keep up with the people I'm with. And so I've really missed out on a lot of life, I think, by having a little bit too much, um, being too scared to get in a wheelchair, to be quite honest. And so uh, that, self, uh, that self-image is important. And it is hard. A wheelchair, a lot of people are afraid of wheelchairs because it will hurt your walking very easily. Right. It has mine because I don't practice. But I get a whole lot more done during the day. Yeah, so um, you're, you're productive I'm in a lot of ways. Yeah, and you get to the pool how many times a yes. week right now? Yeah, at least three. And I have a recumbent bike at the house. So I, can, I have my outside one uh-huh. that I use for the bike MS and I have an indoor one. So you're getting exercise, mm-hmm. but I think for me, the thing that I'm learning um, as I enter this next phase of my MS life is that it depends on where you want to use your energy. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm actually using a lot of my energy to get on my cooler and to get off of it and to uh, be able to get around my house. Um, whereas I see the way you're moving around and you can get a lot more done and use less of your body so that you can use energy in better ways. And I think that you have a reason at home to save a lot of energy because you have to do what at home that you need all the energy for. Yes. Yeah. My home life does keep me busy. Well, what I'm alluding, you have, you have grandkids at home that you, that yes. you take care of that take a lot of energy. They do. I I've taken care of my granddaughter since she was very young. Um, and it is hard lifting a child. From the ground. I'm yeah. so glad she is potty trained, <laughs> you know, and can walk yeah. now. Um, I got to tell you a little story, though. My 10-year-old granddaughter, um, I went to visit her, and she goes, Nana, I wish you could walk. Yeah. And I was like, you know, honey, so do I. There's so many things I can't do with you. You know, and then things I want to do. I want to run and play with you. I want to be able to get down on the ground. My grandkids, you know, are laying on the rolling in the grass. I can't get down there. I know. Um, and I was really sad, but you know, we, we had fun. We played at the park and at 10, even she was sitting in my lap, driving my wheelchair around the park several mm-hmm. times. And she loved it. And when I went to leave until her goodbye, she says, Nana, you know what the best thing was today? I said, what honey I was riding in your wheelchair. <laughs> so, um, well, if I could walk, I wouldn't have that best thing for her to do. Yeah. Um, when I work at my grandkids' school, they they don't see me as the crippled. They see me as a cool ride. Mm-hmm. Because my grandson or granddaughter, who's ever class I'm working in, stands on the back of my chair and rides. And then we pass all their friends up. And they're, they're like waving and showing off. Yeah. So you're, yeah, it's nice to be cool. Yeah. It's good to be cool. Uh um, when I went, when I went to the bike MS and wanted, mm-hmm. um, a Burkle bike, um, it was very expensive. They were over $5,000, Yeah, which as a single person at that time was a lot of money for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my son, my youngest son goes, mom, have you heard of GoFundMe? He goes, let's put you on that. See if we 
I was thinking, cool, I could maybe raise a thousand bucks or two would two would even help. Right, right. Um, I had two different people who, one was a family friend growing up, but mm-hmm. not someone I was close to. He was, you know, probably eight years older than me. Um, so our parents were great, were best friends, but and right. I knew him through that. And then my sister's best friend from high school, who she hasn't even seen in 40 years, but she keeps in contact with. Both of those people donated a thousand dollars. Unbelievable to me. I was so overwhelmed with gratitude, um, and I called Janice and thanked her, and she wrote me this beautiful letter. Said Carol, at my commencement speaker told me his only regret in life was that he did not inspire enough people. Mm-hmm. You inspire me. Amazing. She goes, I don't donate to, to much. She goes, I want to help you get this bike. And then again, for your self-image, that means that you're doing something. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you inspire people? I've been told that a lot, so I, mm-hmm. I really hope I do. Um, I told Janice that in turn, she inspires me mm-hmm. because I feel very guilt-ridden. Two people donate and people who donate just small amounts that's still a lot of money um i raised almost the whole amount of my bike not quite but people cared enough about me to give me money yeah i have to ride that bike i get out a lot of times when i don't want to because i ask their holy cow you know these people gave me all this stuff and i'm not using it well that's there's not, some good motivation yeah. for you that, that's a little bit different than than other ways to look at it you bet yeah so i look at it and i told janice your generosity was such an inspiration for me when I don't feel like riding that bike because it guilts me, which may not be what you want, but it's what I need because it's a good thing. Well, whatever get whatever can get you out there, and yeah. so um, and as you know, once you're out on that bike, oh my god, oh my god, it's wonderful. Well, that was the first time when we rode last August. That's the first time I've been on a bike in years, mm-hmm. and just being able to coast and move without the effort. And it was a beautiful morning. The sun was out and it was something that changed my life. It, I will get out and ride more because of that. And that's, what's going to make me better. Well, we're going 10 miles in August. Remember? Yes. And we both have training to do. We do have training to do. And you told me that. And I thought, how am I going to keep up with Carol and get going? Cause you kicked my butt. Yeah. You know what? Well, let's do it. I do have the endurance on my side. I know. And yeah, it's cardio, uh, you know, yes. and it's just getting, it's getting mm-hmm. out there and, and making it happen and, uh, having that reason to fight. And that is a very important thing. So I have a, I have a goal now. I'm going to ride 10 miles with Carol at the next bike there. I've yes. said it, I've said it out loud. So now I got to live up to it. Yes. Uh, Carol, I so appreciate talking to you. Um, you do inspire me and I have been very thankful uh, in the last couple of weeks, you and I have been texting back and forth and and you've been a good support for me uh, as I'm going through a couple things. Uh, and there's one thing that I wanted to mention that, that really hit me in a really good spot. I was having a tough day and, and you had texted and said, well, you know, Jim, it's not all bad. You sent me a picture of one of your grandkids wearing your bra wasn't my bra it was his mom's it was his mom's <laughs> bra. okay to clarify but what was the story behind that because it made me smile and it really helped me um 
my two-year-old grandson was home with his dad and his dad was busy doing something and he hears look at my boobies <laughs> and nick takes a couple pictures he goes oh my god mom i'm dying right now oh that's he goes, look at this that um, that'll uh, that'll help you feel a little bit better no matter what yeah. no matter what your day's like um, and, and my son's real good about that. When I broke my ankle, he, he'll send me a picture of Luca doing something yeah, silly like that. And, and how can that not put a smile on your face and it, give you a reason to be here? Well, and your grandkids really give you lots of reason to get up and get moving every day too, don't they? Yes, they do. Very much. I, I'm glad I can be here for them. I know what important role a grandparent is because I know how important my parents were to my kids. Mm-hmm. And my mom died at when she was 62, when she was my age. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids were all in elementary school and how hard it was on them not to have her around. So I want to be there for my kids, you know, as long as I can to help them and and be a part of their lives. Well, you know, the way you fight, Carol, I, I see you doing that. And uh, my goal now is to keep up with Carol. So we have a 10-mile uh, ride to do and uh, we'll just keep on fighting. I, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jim, for having me. It, it's, it, it is helpful for me to be here as well and get able to have someone to talk and, and to share. Good, with. because uh, I, I'm a true believer that uh, talking and, and getting it out of your system really helps and that uh, with true vulnerability comes great freedom. So by being vulnerable and letting people know what you're going through, you're definitely helping somebody. Well, thank you. 